Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have a book club episode. We are going to be discussing Twilight and Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. For those of you who have not heard of this before, Twilight was an iconic moment in like the early 2000s where I feel like pretty much every teenage girl was obsessed with this vampire book. Twilight is from Bella's perspective. It was the one that was originally written. And then Midnight Sun is kind of like a twist where it's the same story, but written from Edward's perspective, who is her love interest. So we're just going to talk about some of the similarities, the differences, the plot points, our thoughts overall. You know, we did read these when we were younger, and it's been quite a while since then. But yeah, we're just going to share some of our thoughts. Also, just for context, Leon read Twilight and I read Midnight Sun. So what were your overall thoughts? Well, according to my quick Google search, Twilight originally came out in 2005, and that sounds like a really long time ago. Yeah, we would be like, what, nine? I feel like I didn't read it, though, until like I was in middle school, you know? You know what I think it was? Is I don't think it caught on until somewhere around, like, I don't know, I think it was after the first couple books were released when it started to catch on, because... I'm pretty sure I didn't read it in 2005. Like, I think it was like sixth, seventh grade when I read it for the first time. Yeah, I think that's about when I read it, too. I remember that uh, my neighbor, she had read it originally and she was older than me. She was someone who I looked up to very much. I still do look up to her a lot. And I remember that she was like, oh, my gosh, I just read this book and it was so good. And I was like, oh, she just read this book. I should go read this book. And that was how I was initially introduced to it. I honestly can't remember how I was introduced to it, but I somehow got the book, and I know my friend Layla read the book, and we were both super, super into it, and I know that, I think when we were, when we got into the book, it was like right around the same time, too, that they were starting to make movies based on it. I mean, I guess we should just get the embarrassing stories out now. But my mom took me and Layla and another friend to go see the movie. And I feel like it might have been the opening day. Like, not like stay up till midnight thing, but like that night. And we were like on the train on the way back. And me, being the melodramatic preteen that I was, I was like, this was so good. It's so much better than Harry Potter. And I said this, I think I told the story on... I forget, one of our older episodes, and I still cringe when I remember it because it's so embarrassing. See, I feel like that can be embarrassing, but I feel like that's not the worst because it's like, you know, it was just something said in passing. And so I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you may have hyped it up to be a little bit more, perhaps. I don't know. But then again, I'm not here to invalidate your experience. If you think that it was horrendously embarrassing, I will support you in that claim. I don't think it's as embarrassing as I think it is because I feel like we now all have this thing. I think almost every girl our age went through the collective I love Twilight a little too much phase. So I feel like now it's just like another relatable thing. I agree. I agree. Do you know what was my hardest like Twilight fangirl moment? Okay, first off, this is kind of a 
unrelated but related. So I have heard that diehard fans of Twilight call themselves Twihards, like a tryhard, but like Twilight, and I love it so much. I think that that's so hilarious. I love it. Anyway, that was like besides the point of this whole thing. But I think my most embarrassing Twilight moment was I made shirts for my friend and I to wear to when we went to go see the movie. And I made them in, I think it was my applied technology class because they had like this little uh, printer thing where you could print something out and then you could like iron it onto a shirt. And so I printed out a picture of like this tree at Twilight. I thought it was so artistic. And I ironed it onto a shirt for my friend and I. And yeah, we totally wore them or brought them with us to whenever we went to go see the Twilight movie. That is fantastic. I love that. I didn't make a shirt, but when they were doing press for the movie, Robert Pattinson came to a mall that was like kind of nearby, but not really because it was like a 40 minute drive away. And somehow, like, I don't know how he did it, but one of my friends got her dad to drive us and my mom came. And like, we went to this mall to go see Robert Pattinson, but like, he was like, down on like the main level and you know how like a lot of malls you can be on the upper levels and it's like kind of cut out in the middle and you can look down and like pretty much all we could see were like his legs and I thought this was like the most exciting thing ever and then I went to Hot Topic and got an Edward shirt. So I have a very important question for you. Did he glitter? No. All I saw were his legs. Maybe he was glittering and I didn't know. You never know. Maybe his legs were like shining. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. But honestly, the t-shirt with his like face on it, it was like, it was that one on like all the posters for the movie. But if you like, I remember after getting it and like just looking at him, like, honestly, it's kind of creepy. Like he looks kind of creepy on it. Yeah, he do be looking a little creepy. Everybody in that movie looks a a wee bit creepy. I think it's whatever filter they use. Like, they use some sort of, like, bluish filter when they were filming or something because everything looks just sad. Like, and that's the thing. Speaking of artsy things and lighting, if you ever take pictures, warm lighting tends to be much more forgiving than cool lighting. So for them to use, like, that cool filter over the camera, really not flattering. For pretty much anybody. And so I feel like you can tell that like when you watch the cinema- cinematography, especially in the first one, I feel like that's the one that it's most prevalent in. But you can see this sort of like bluish filter that is just, it's just not flattering. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to do the whole rainy Pacific Northwest thing. And I feel like they really didn't have to do that. And people would still understand. And I feel like they were also trying to do like the moody emo blue sort of thing and i'm like i get that we were all moody teenagers everybody who was watching this but still you know i i don't think it was needed i don't yeah i don't really think they were going for like any sort of cinematography awards i think they were just trying to cash in on a teenage fandom (laughs) true 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 so uh seeing as this is our book club episode on twilight we uh we might want to start talking about the actual book. Yeah. So what happens in Twilight? Basically, we have Bella, who is moving to the Pacific Northwest, Forks, Washington, which is a real place. And when I was 13 years old, 12, 13 years old, I feel like one of my biggest goals was to go visit Forks, Washington, (laughs) solely based on this book. But she basically moves there 
and she goes to live with her dad, who she calls Charlie all the time, which kind of bothers me. And then she, the short version is she goes to the high school, and then there's this handsome, moody boy named Edward, who doesn't seem to like her very much. But then also, like, all the other boys in the high school are, like, super into her. And then she goes down to on a beach trip with some of the people from the high school, and that's where she runs into Jacob and a couple other people from the tribe, and she hears the whole legend about the werewolves and the, was it, like, the cold ones or something? Edward finally gets over himself, and then he and Bella start spending more time together. Then Bella attracts these, like, nomad vampire people, and then one of them basically tries to kill her. Edward and the Cullens save the day, and then she goes back to Washington, and then he coerces her into going to prom. I think it was a pretty good summary. What were some things that you noticed specifically from when Bella was telling the story? Was there anything in specific that you noticed, like her specific point of view, things like that? So I think the first thing that I noticed was I completely forgot most of the plot. I totally forgot about James and Laurent and all them. Like, the only thing I knew about, like, I feel like when I remember Twilight, I more remember the plot of the whole series itself than the plot of, like, each individual book. So that kind of surprised me. And another thing that surprised was it was so slow to get started. Like, I feel like we were halfway, three quarters of the way through before anything happened. I was like, if I need to listen to, because I listened on audiobook, and I was like, if I need to listen to one more chapter about Bella going to school and, like, Edward being all weird, I was like, I'm done. I don't know. I just don't think I remembered that it took so long. Yeah, I don't think I remembered that it took so long either. Because, okay, and I feel like when their relationship started, it went zero to 100 so quick. Oh my gosh. I was like, whoa like this is a little much (laughs) like I don't know if like teenage me just thought that that was how relationships worked but like that is not how it goes on that note like how they like weren't talking for half the book and then he does the whole like rescue her from the bookshop thing and then like it seems like within like a week or something all of a sudden these vampires were hunting Bella and then she was like running away and she's calling and she was like oh I love you Edward and I'm like you haven't even known this guy for, like, I mean, like, okay, maybe, like, I don't know if she was there at the beginning of the school year, but, like, you've only been talking for, like, a month. Yeah, I was like, this is so quick, like, I don't understand. And, okay, I think also reading it from Edward's point of view, low-key made it a little bit creepier, because the whole, like, watching her while she sleeps, like, he's like, I'm trying to resist seeing her. We don't talk yet, but like, or like, we've talked minimally, but you know, I just, I need to see her. I'm going to go to her house while she's sleeping. And I was like, you guys aren't even that close yet. Like, this is just, this is a little weird. This is, this is strange. Yeah, it was, I feel like it was like you're saying, or like we're both saying how literally nothing happened and then everything happened at once. Yeah, and okay, I feel like in terms of, like, James and Laurent, Laurent? Laurent. James and Laurent, uh, I feel like that only happened in the last hundred pages of the book. And the book is almost 700 pages. So you need to keep in mind, like, the first 600 pages, or I'd say at least probably more like the first 400 pages, are, like, Bella and Edward trying to ignore each other, getting annoyed with each other, 
not being friends, but Edward being like, oh, but I love her so much. And then like the next 200 pages are semi-building a relationship where he just happens to be stalking her and saving her, which is also weird. And then the last hundred pages is she's being hunted down by these vampires. And so it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, I think these were plot holes and pacing issues that preteen me did not notice and did not care about. I agree. I think it was, it's just funny to look back on it because I'm like, oh my gosh, like this book, like I think Stephanie Meyer, I believe that she can write. Like, I think that for it to not be painful to go through 700 pages of that is a feat. That's a feat. But like, I think that she does definitely have some plot holes like you're saying and that she does, she just has some things that are a little questionable happening in her writing. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, we can talk about the whole Edward-Bella relationship thing, but just in terms of the structure of the book, I think there was some pacing issues and I feel like she could have used a better editor. Yeah, like I feel like if there was more time spent on building their relationship, I think that that would have been really helpful or like to give a more solid plot point because granted, like a lot of these excursions with Edward had to have happened on weekends, you know, like it wasn't like it would have been during the week or anything. So it probably did take a little bit more time than we would have realized because I don't, I don't think they would see each other every single weekend. That just seems like a little bit extra to me. But I do think that not having that explicitly said like, oh, like several weeks have passed, I think kind of hurt in terms of building the relationship. Well, yeah, because it made it seem like the whole thing happened. Like, Because I feel like from the Italian restaurant date to Bella almost getting killed in Phoenix, the way it was written made it seem like it was at most maybe, maybe a month. Yeah, because there was the restaurant date And then right after he was like, oh, I'm going to take her to the meadow and show her that I glitter. Um, And then, (laughs) which I'm sorry, but like looking back at that, like, I I just don't understand. It's so comical to me. I'm like, what is so attractive about somebody who's just glittering? Like, it's it's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. I think pre-Twilight, like, girls weren't just sitting there thinking, wow. I wish boys glittered. Yeah, like, I'm like, it's it's just strange. I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, you know, girls, like, especially when you're younger, sometimes you'll put, like, some glitter on your skin and be like, wow, I'm so glittery in the sunlight. This is so cool. And I feel like maybe she was trying to translate that into, like, a male character. But it does seem a little weird to me that that was a big point of attraction for Bella. I don't think most people go around being like, I'm really attracted to people that glitter. (laughs) Are you disappointed that your boyfriend doesn't glitter, Kaylee? Is that what this is about? Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm so disappointed. Like, that was my expectation, and clearly that one has not been met. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, she was just setting us up to be let down. I know. Unrealistic beauty standards. Like, where are the men protesting this? I want to see them. I want to support them. Also, side note, like, the glittering effect in the movie was so bad. It was just so bad. I know, it was, it was just bad. 
And also that whole thing about like, as if you could outrun me. <laughs> I don't know, whatever he said when he like threw a tree branch. I'm just like, gosh, like, that's a little, that's a little much, dude. Like, you need to calm down. Like, I understand that you want to show her, like, she should be scared of you. But I feel like this is a little much. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was some power dynamic and, like, boundary issues with this relationship. For sure. I think there were definitely some power dynamic and uh, boundary issues. Without a doubt. I think that that's why, like, reading it as an adult, I was like, this is kind of hilarious, but also kind of horrible. Like, a lot of this is just, just creepy. Yeah. So what was it like reading Midnight Sun? How, how was it getting into Edward's head? Well, I have to say, Edward literally thought of every high schooler as a child until Bella came along, and then all of a sudden, he didn't refer to her as a child. Which creeped me out. I was like, that's pretty weird for you to be like, I'm surrounded by all these children all day. Oh my goodness. What the heck? And then all of a sudden this girl comes along and you're like, but I'm so attracted to her. Like, how does that mental switch flip? I don't understand. Also, like, yeah, he may have been around for a hundred something years, but he was frozen at 17. So like how much... Like, how does the whole, like, social, emotional development thing work? Like, does he continue to mature that way? Or is he frozen as a 17-year-old? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question. Because, like, you know your brain fully matures at the age of 25. That's, like, officially when you're like, my brain is mature. So I wonder if his brain would, like, continue to mature as a vampire. If it would, like, you know, rapidly mature when he was uh, turned. I don't know. Like, I think that that's a very valid question. Because I think it would, because if you died at 17 and like became the vampire, I feel like you would just be a, a 108 year old emotionally stunted as 17. See, I see that he would have grown mentally and emotionally, but just be trapped in a 17 year old's body. Because it's like you're still having all those life experiences of somebody who's older than you, if you will. But if he's pretending to be a high schooler his whole life. But I feel like, you know, as you get exposed to more and more things, I feel like you do grow emotionally and mentally. And so I feel like because of that, he would have had to have grown in some capacity. At least I would say he would be at least like a 25 year old. Because, you know, they also had to play some roles where it was like, go to high school, Emmett and Rosalie get married. You know what I mean? So I feel like they had to play a variety of ages to an extent. I can see that. He just seems emotionally stunted. He does. He's also, like, extremely masochistic. He's like, I hate myself for loving Bella, but I love her, but I hate myself. And I thought it was really interesting because he would always refer to her as the Persephone to his Hades. And I was like, I feel like that's kind of a, I don't know, it just seemed like a little bit strange to me. I also think Edward's very melodramatic. Oh, extremely. Like, I think that's why he may seem kind of like, to me at least, like, just kind of stuck in the teenage years. Because I feel like when you're a teenager, you're probably as melodramatic as Edward. I could see that. He is extremely angsty. But also, like, some of the vocabulary and, like, the wording that he uses is, like, I don't know if it's actually more eloquent or if it's just, you know when you have a teenager who's trying to be eloquent? 
I definitely get those vibes from Edward. Oh, Edward, what are we going to do with you? I don't know. But I also thought it was interesting. Uh, Stephanie Meyer, it seemed like she wrote all of the other characters who were teenagers in terms that would make them seem slightly younger. Like even the vocabulary that they used from Edward's perspective lent itself to seeming like somebody who was younger. That's interesting. I feel like, I don't know, I might have not just been paying attention enough, but I don't think you really knows that as much in Twilight. They were all just kind of talking as one does. Yeah. I think it's also, though, because he could, like, read people's minds, you know? For example, he read, like, Jacob Black's mind. And, like, when he read it, I was like, why does Jacob Black sound so much like a child? And I was like, oh, wait, because he is a child. And I was like, right, right, I forget. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, like, he's technically younger than Bella. Also, okay, so I feel like just generally problematic in the books is this whole, like, age and power dynamic thing. I don't know. I felt like you could see that whole, like, older person, quote-unquote, because Edward is, like, a hundred or so years old, right? Being attracted to a younger person who was under the age of 18. You could see that in Bella and Edward's relationship. You could see it in Jacob and Renesmee's relationship. And one of the things that I also thought was kind of weird and kind of gross, uh, Carlisle had met Esme as a child and later found her, like, and saved her when she had, I think, fallen off of a cliff or something. And then they became, you know, romantically involved. But he had known her as a child. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's so creepy about it is that in all those examples, it's not necessarily, like, two people who met as adults like I feel like it's less creepy if you're like both above the age of consent but the fact that the age difference begins when the younger person is a minor that's where it gets creepy yeah I think that was like my biggest issue with it was just like you're meeting at a time in which at least one person is older and one person is below the age of consent and I think that that's just I don't think that that would fly in today's world if these books were republished again. But moving on from that, one person who I think was a decent person in this series, who totally got the short end of the stick, was, is it Laurent or Laurent? That was Laurent, because I assumed he was French, but... (laughs) Was Laurent. I think that he was honestly like a decent person. I'm just sorry that things turned out for him the way that they did. Like, it just seemed sad. Yeah, because I remember when they showed up, the trio showed up, and he was basically like, oh, I'm sorry, like, I didn't know James was going to go and do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, like, I'm going to go get out of your way. Like, he seemed pretty decent. One thing that did bother me about it is how they named, like, oh, there's James, who was the tracker, who was going to go after Bella. And then there was Laurent. But then there, how they just never really referred to the woman by name. It was just the woman. Yeah, like I know that I think they referred to her by name like in the second book. Yeah, because she like came back and was like, you know, a little demon spawn. But yeah, I think that that was that was kind of weird that they didn't refer to her by name. But I was pretty happy that Laurent was like, you know, I like the lifestyle that you guys have here. And like, I would love to join you. However, I know that my ties with James complicate that but I'm going to go and try to find the coven up in Denali. I thought that that was a really good way to like kind of write his character and like put him more in a positive direction. So it wasn't like all the people that they met were evil. 
And I really think there's no way he could have joined the Collins after what happened. No, I mean, honestly, I don't know, though, because some of the Collins seemed much more forgiving than others, like Carlisle. I would say that Carlisle probably would have been like, yeah, if you truly want to join us, you can afterwards, because like if he stayed out of it, I think that Carlisle would have been like, yeah, you can join us because he just seems like that type of person. I don't think that all of the others would have been thrilled about it initially, but I think it would have been okay eventually. I think it's kind of one of those things where there's just too much drama that's happened because I feel like Edward would be super moody about it. So I think it would really depend on Edward. Like, it would depend on Carlisle getting Edward to go along with it because I think if Edward wasn't cool with it, that Carlisle wouldn't push it. See, but I feel like Edward more than anyone would understand like wanting to turn over a new leaf because he had that whole spell in his life where he went and hunted down like people who were like murderers and rapists and killed them and then he was like you know this is not the lifestyle that I want to lead and then he came back to Carlisle so I feel like he would understand I feel like because also Laurent didn't really do any harm initially he was just like I honestly can't help you with James just because it's just too, like, I can't, I can't help you. I'm sorry. But I think that, I think that they would have understood if he had come back. I wouldn't have let him join. I'm too, I'm too salty for that. (laughs) I feel like I would have. I feel like I would have been like, I'm a little bit mad that you didn't help us to uh, get rid of your tracker friend, who's not really your friend. However. I understand that you have had a genuine change of heart and I want to be here to support you in changing for the better. See, for me, I'd be like, you should have helped me get rid of that other guy to prove that like there's something behind your words. But I don't know. I think like you're saying, Carlisle probably forgives a little quicker than I would. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, also, can we talk about Rosalie? Oh, she's so moody. She's so moody, but also, low-key, I'm like, Stephanie Meyer, what beautiful person hurt you in your life? Because, like, the way that her character is written, I'm just like, gosh, I feel like there's, like, some personal thing that, like, Stephanie Meyer has for some, like, beautiful person who was just really nasty to her or something. Like, I don't know. Because, like, Rosalie seems like such a flat character. Like, she's all about her looks always wants to be the apple of everyone's eye and is just like mean like just straight up mean like she doesn't want to accept any changes she's just like I am the way that I am and I don't want anybody to be how to say it like more important than I am yeah she definitely seemed a little vain like when they're trying to hide Bella from the tracker and how they wanted her to switch clothes and they suggested Rosalie go up and change. And Rosalie was just like, no, I'm not doing this. And I think I got like a little bit more insight into that, like from Edward's perspective, because her whole beef with Bella was Rosalie really wanted to be human because she really wished that she and Emmett could have a kid, I think is why she really wanted to be human. And so I think that she was very jealous of Bella in that way and she was also like kind of upset because she always wanted to be the person who was the most beautiful or with like the most attention 
And like it kind of touched on that from Edward's perspective because apparently when Carlisle turned Rosalie, he had initially intended her as a match for Edward. So I think that she was always like, I don't know. I, it kind of makes me wonder if she always like harbored some secret sort of attraction towards Edward. And maybe that's why she was like kind of jealous or maybe like she wanted him to be in love with her as well as Emmett. You know, like she wanted all of the attention. Yeah, it could be. I think it very much fell into the trope of like the pretty mean girl. But there was no buildup of like how the mean girl got mean. Yeah, and I feel like that was, I don't know. Like, it vaguely touched on her backstory, and it said that there were, like, a lot of people who wronged her, and, like, just were, I think, maybe committing, like, crimes to her, if you will. Um, But it didn't, like, explicitly say what happened. Not that I think that that would have changed anything. I don't know. Maybe it would have changed something. But I think that, like, there was just not enough of an explanation as to why her character was the way it was. Yeah, like, I think that, I don't know, like you are saying, I don't know what it would change, but I think when you have a little bit more of the background, it's kind of like, okay, so this is why she's being mean. Because I feel like some people, yeah, they might just be mean because they're mean people, but then some people are mean because stuff happened to them. And I think it would make her more interesting of a character if more of the background was known. Yeah, I agree. And I think Generally speaking, I feel like most people are not mean just for the sake of being mean. I feel like there's a reason or like a story behind why they act the way they act. Yeah. So this is something that I've been wondering because like we talked about, I think Lirisley doesn't really have much of a power. She's just kind of pretty, I guess, is her power. And then Esme's, I think, was like her ability to love. Then Alice saw the future. Emmett was super strong. Jasper had the whole emotion thing, which also is kind of manipulative because he can make people feel things when they're feeling other things, or he can, like... And then Edward can obviously read the minds. I'm not really sure what Carlisle's power is, but he kind of put the whole family together and he's, like, a doctor. So what I was wondering is which one of their powers would you want? So this one, to me, seems like no contest. I would pick Jasper's powers over anybody else's. And the reason why is because I feel like knowing everything that would happen or everything that someone was thinking would just make me feel like really self-conscious or jaded or alternatively, it would suck the fun out of any sort of surprises in the day. And I'm like, I kind of like those surprises and I don't necessarily feel like I need to know what anyone's thinking or what's going to happen next. So I think I would definitely pick Jasper's powers just because it'd be nice to be able to like ease the tension in a room or like you know use it for good rather than like for evil what about you i feel like i it's kind of funny because i wrote this question but i feel like i don't really know because i wouldn't want edward's power of reading minds because i feel like a it's such a big invasion of privacy of the other person and b i feel like my anxiety just couldn't handle it because it's like what if someone was thinking, like, mean things about me, but they, it's things, like, they wouldn't actually say, but then it's, like, I know that's how they really feel, and I just wouldn't know what to do with that, and I feel like that's kind of the same thing with 
Allison's power where I think part of it is I'd be super anxious if I got a vision of something bad happening. And then if I got a vision of something good happening, like you were saying, kind of with Edwards, is that it would take the surprise out of it. Yeah. And I think with Alice's too, it'd be like you'd always be looking for ways to change the future. And I think that that would make you live less in the present. And I think that's also something that could be a little bit bothersome about that. Yeah. And so for the next one is like, Emmett sounds like you're super strong, but I'm like, what would I do with that? Especially like if you already have vampire strength, which is like ridiculously strong anyway, like you could crush trees. Like what more do you need? Come on now. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I I don't really see the point of it. And Esme's like, I think it was like hers is like this power to love thing. But again, I'm like, what is that really? Because couldn't you just like love somebody anyway without like the extra power to it? And so then that leads me to Jasper. But then I feel like it's like, even if you're using, like when Bella was stressed out and then he went to like calm her down or whatever. But I feel like there's also still that element of like, I don't know, like a lack of consent to change someone else's emotion. I feel like you could use it in the sense like you only do it if you ask them to because but I know like at one point like I think Alice like basically was just like calm her down Jasper but like Bella didn't really ask for it so I feel like it's like you should let a person feel their feels. Yeah but I mean I look at it and I'm like if I had a power like that I feel like what I would do is I would probably use it in like social interactions just to make everybody feel more at ease and I think that that's probably how I would use it so more so like for the greater good rather than like in terms of like directed towards a specific person to like make them feel a certain way yeah i think i would pick jasper's power if now i don't know how this works either but if you could use it on yourself to like calm yourself down more easily because i feel like that's what i'm trying to achieve with my exercise and my meditation and if i could just be like jasper i wouldn't need to do that And it would be so much easier. I could see that. That would be pretty nice. Can we talk about the whole tricking Bella into going to prom thing? Sure. So what are your opinions on the tricking Bella into going to prom? I had so many problems that like it's such like a respect issue because it's one thing to like surprise someone and like bring them somewhere like that's fine. But like Bella had made it clear that she doesn't like dances and she doesn't want to go to prom. And Edward's like, well, I know what's better for you. And I don't want you to miss out on human experiences because I'm a vampire. But I'm like, dude, she says she's not interested. Don't trick her into going. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's probably not the move is to trick somebody into going to prom. Just because like, I understand that like, you may have wanted to have that experience, but that doesn't mean that everybody wants to have that experience. And it's like, Edward, you already went to high school and did your thing. I mean, you kind of got sick and almost died at 17, so maybe you didn't do everything. But I feel like it's up to Bella to decide what she wants high school to look like for herself. If she says she doesn't want to go to prom, then you don't have to like go and mansplain to her why she should go to prom. Yeah, I feel like he's just projecting at this point his own desires onto her, where he's like, I wish that I could have this human experience. And I think honestly, Rosalie might have like a little bit to do with this too, because she's all like, oh, I wish I was human. I wish I had those human experiences again as somebody who's living and not a vampire. So I feel like 
with Edward's wish to be human and also like having Rosalie as kind of an echo chamber in the family, I feel like he's like, yup, this is the thing to do. I'm definitely going to do this. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like not every human wants to go to prom. So to assume that the high school experience means going to prom, then I don't know. It's just kind of like, maybe some people aren't into that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of prom, let me tell you what the children are doing now during Corona times. Oh my goodness. So for our school, they decided that they were going to host a version of an outdoor prom. Uh, It's, I would say, probably not quite as glamorous as, you know, your traditional prom where you go to a very expensive, very fancy venue. It's definitely a little bit more of like a a prom that's hosted because they really want to try to give people the experience of a prom, but it's not going to be like hosted at some fancy hotel or anything like that. It's a, uh, it's hosted like, you know, outdoors. And so our school is putting on a prom for the kids who want to come. They have them social distanced in groups. You can't come within six feet of one another. And so the kids that I have talked to And it doesn't sound like this is just at our school. I've talked to a couple other like educators that I know in other schools as well. And they say that this is kind of what's happening there too. It sounds like what the kids are doing is they're going and making their own prom outside of the school. So it's not a school sponsored event. And they're like putting on like a more like grandiose traditional prom that they and their friends can go to. And like it's, you know, everybody contributes like whatever sum of money to make this happen but it sounds like that's what they're doing which i think is just very interesting i'm like wow the planning and forethought that you would need to do that i don't think i could have done that at high school age (laughs) yeah that's that's impressive i mean i kind of felt bad for like kids who are seniors this year more so than even last year because last year it's kind of like you lost out on prom but it's like okay you had junior prom And there was literally just no possibility of prom happening. So it's kind of like there wasn't really a hope for that. But then I feel like if I was a junior last year, I'd be like, okay, junior prom's canceled. But then I can go to senior prom because we'll be done with this in a year. And then a year later, it's like you're on the verge of your prom being canceled. And it just sounds horrible. See, what's interesting is like the high school that I went to only had a senior prom. We did not have a junior prom. So And I don't know if it's like this at other schools, too, because it sounds like from what I've heard, most schools do a junior and senior prom. But at the school that I went to way back in the dinosaur ages, um, they only had a prom for seniors. And so I'm like, could you imagine if like your only prom was as a senior and you missed it? Kind of sad. Did you have a school dance every year? Because the way my school did is like every single year got a dance, but like. It was freshman formal, which was not fancy at all. It was in, like, the high school lobby. And then for the sophomore dance called Sophomore Semi, they rented a venue, but it wasn't, like, a fancy venue. And then for junior and senior year, it was the proms, and that's when they went out and, like, rented the hotel and stuff. So what we did is we had uh, homecoming. So homecoming was open to whoever. It wasn't, like, a specific grade. And they had that in our field house slash the gym. And then I think there was also like a winter dance, which I can't remember exactly what that was, but it was open to everybody. Again, held in the gym or the field house. 
And then I want to say, see, this one is the one I'm not clear on. I'm not sure if the winter one was the same as turnabout or if they were two separate things. I want to say they were the same thing, but I'm not positive. Where it was like, turnabout would be like, you know, where the girl asks the guy traditionally. Yeah, we still had homecoming and then they'd be like random casual dances, but those ones would be in the lobby. Ours were all like in the gym or the field house, except for prom. Prom was like a venue separate. I feel like if you only have a senior prom, like let's say like the school still had an end of year dance for juniors, but it was just like kind of more along the sophomore semi where you rent something, but not something super fancy. I feel like it makes prom almost more special because if you have a junior prom, it literally is the same thing as the senior prom, except you're not seniors. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like it made it really special for us because every other dance aside from prom was always at our school. Like we never had a dance in like a nicer venue. It was always our field house or the gym. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like, and I guess maybe this is why Edward thinks it's important, but I still think if Bella doesn't want to go, don't make her. But it does really seem like this big high school rite of passage is to go to prom. Do you know what I wonder? I wonder what it's like in other countries. Like, do they have a prom equivalent? If you're a listener from another country, which I know we have some, you should let us know. Do you guys have a prom equivalent? I feel like it's very American. I feel like it is too. But also, oh my gosh, I saw something once about how they have like a, I don't know if it's like a ball season, but essentially it's like a season of balls. And uh some country in Europe or like maybe it's like a gala I don't know it was one of the two but it was like you could just buy a ticket and just go like as an adult and I was like I want to do that like just get ridiculously dressed up to go to like this fancy event that sounds so fun like when do you have the chance to dress up like that anymore I know like I don't it's not a thing which yeah I still have all my prom dresses because in my head I was like you know what? I could wear these again sometime, but it's like, where am I going to wear them? Also, I may or may not be able to fit into them. I feel that. I think it's interesting too, because like, I remember I was talking to my mom and she was saying like, there used to be more like black tie formal events put on by like businesses or companies that you worked for that you could attend. A lot of the times they would be like as a sort of fundraiser, if you will. But she said that like, that's become way less popular in like current times is like they won't host parties like that anymore either because it's too expensive or it takes too much planning or whatever the reason but companies used to like put on like a black tie event for their workers which I think is really interesting and I kind of wish that they would bring that back I don't know just because maybe not like every year but you know like once every couple I think it would be nice just to have an event to like go and get dressed up with like some people that you work with or like some friends and family just because I think there's something that like makes it seem special when you get all dressed up. I agree. I think there needs to be more opportunities for adult prom. Yeah. But like, I would be okay with like, you go, you have a nice meal. Potentially if they're not playing like rave music, I think I would be okay with if they're not playing like rave music. I think I want like a gala in like the more traditional sense where it's like, string instruments and dancing uh. <laughs> yeah no I don't mean prom in the sense of like 
you know, pop music and excessive grinding on the dance floor. <laughs> Just more in the sense of getting dressed up, having a nice dinner, and doing some dancing. Yeah. Dancing that you would be comfortable with seeing your boss the next day in the office. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that that would be like a nice thing to do. So is there anything else related to Twilight that you would like to cover? There's one more thing that I think that we should talk about. And that is, do you prefer Edward or Jacob? Okay, so preteen Leanne had a big internal crisis over this because I feel like I was team Edward probably because he was one projected as kind of like the other than Bella, like the other main character and like kind of set up as like, this is the ideal. So I was like, oh, I want Edward. But I was like super, super in to like Taylor Lautner. I had one a many poster in my room. And so I was like, had this thing where I'm like, I like Taylor Lautner, but I think I should be team Edward. But now I'm kind of like, Edward's kind of creepy. Other than the whole Renesmee thing, Jacob wasn't that creepy. I feel like he was a nicer person. I agree. I think that Jacob overall was a nicer person, aside from the Renesmee thing. Like, if we just cut the last book from it, I think, similarly to you, I think that, like, I was kind of torn because, again, Taylor Lautner. But I think, too, like, because Edward was written to be like, he's perfect at everything. He succeeds at every single thing he does. Like, I feel like that's hard to not like that well I think especially when you're the age that we were when we read it and didn't really know that much about like relationships or anything I think it's easy to idealize the whole relationship thing and with that the boyfriend would be an Edward yeah in reality I feel like you should probably go for a Jacob yeah I feel like Jacob was much more like friendly and approachable Whereas Edward was like, I like you, get away from me. I like you, but get away from me. And I feel like that hot and cold is just not really a healthy relationship, you know? Yeah. Plus, okay, also, I don't know if you felt this way, but I was pretty, this is just personal opinion. So, uh, Robert Pattinson, if you're listening to this podcast, I apologize in advance. I did not think that Robert Pattinson was attractive at all. And so when they cast him as Edward, I was like, this just kills it for me. I was like, I I can't. (laughs) I think part of the problem was when he played Edward. And I think this is like a whole meme, too. He kind of just like constipated the whole time. So that just wasn't great. I did have, you know, that creepy, that creepy photo they use for all the Twilight promos. I did have a giant version of the Edward one in my bedroom. Was that like the one where he was like peering up? Yeah, and so then it was like, there's my bed, and on the opposite wall is there. So in a way, it was super creepy, because whenever I would, like, wake up or whatever, he would just be there staring at me. But then all the posters that I clipped from, like, the, you know, like, the J14s or, like, Tiger Beat, they were all the Taylor Lautner ones. I also read up a little bit, and, like, because one of the things that I thought was interesting is, like, Robert Pattinson, I feel like, has had a pretty decent acting career afterwards, as has Kristen Stewart, which personally, I mean, I haven't really seen many other of her films, but from what I saw in Twilight, I always felt like she was not my cup of tea in terms of being an actress. Like, I felt like 
I wished that there was a little bit more emotion there. But I feel like the two of them went on to have pretty successful acting careers. Whereas Taylor Lautner, I feel like, has not been in as many major acting roles. I think he had like a role in, what was it, like Valentine's Day? Or it was like some holiday movie. It was Valentine's Day. I watched it. He dated Taylor Swift. And I just couldn't get over... Like, in the movie, but I think also in real life. But I just couldn't get over how they were both called Taylor and they were dating each other. And I feel like, not judging, because I'm like, if you, like, honestly like the person and they have the same name as you, like, just go for it. But I feel like that would be so weird. I feel like about, at that point, if you guys get married, just change your last name to Taylor and then pick a new first name. Ooh. That's cool. You know, I guess I never really thought about Taylor being, like, a, what's it called? A name for either gender? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the word. I don't know if there's like one gender that I associate it with more than the other, but I never really thought about it as like a, oh, a unisex name. That's what it is. See, I feel like I associated it with girls, mainly because I think the first person that I really knew was named Taylor was Taylor Swift. But see, I think another problem where I had such, I was like, no, Taylor Lautner's mine. Back off, Taylor Swift. <laughs> which honestly i do not know where i thought i would run into taylor Lautner, but you know you know it could happen who was your celebrity crush see i don't really think i had a celebrity crush like growing up like i never really hardcore had a celebrity crush i always thought that taylor Lautner was really attractive but i don't think i would consider him like my celebrity crush i think it always felt weird to me to have like a celebrity crush quote unquote because i was like if you have a celebrity crush, is it based on anything other than their looks? You know, like I was like, I feel like you need to know like the person's a good person in order to have a crush on them. And so like, because I remember they asked me this in my church group, which is a weird thing to ask in a church group. One of the things that made it even weirder is like one of the ladies who was in charge of youth ministry was the person who ran our church group. And this was brought up, I want to say by her, but don't quote me. But yeah. They brought up like, who's your celebrity crush? And I was like, I don't really have one. And the girl that I was talking with, I think her name was, I think her name was Brittany. Um, she was like, I'm just going to say yours is Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was like, sure. I don't <laughs> even know. Like, who is that? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like Leonardo, now I may be wrong because I think people our age might have been into it. Leonardo DiCaprio was people who were like maybe five-ish years older than us, like their celebrity crush. Because I feel like everyone fell in love with him when he was in Titanic. See, my thing is, like, to show you how much I lived under a rock, I literally didn't really know who he was. I was like, who is Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, I don't even know. And this was in high school. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, slightly older, so I feel like if I had an older sister, like, I feel like he would have been her Taylor Lautner. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Okay, so do you have any recommendations to round this out as we wrap up our discussion of Twilight? I don't think we do, other than we should revisit that other vampire series at some time. Yeah, so for those of you listening, Leon and I had talked about just going and revisiting some of our vampire series from the past and uh, just kind of, you know, rereading them, maybe doing a little bit of podcasting on them. I think one of the other ones was Vampire Academy, which... If you're into romance, I think was like kind of spicy for middle school, but uh I felt like it was like grown up twilight. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. 
Or alternatively, there was one that I read, which I don't think you read, that was called Cirque de Freak, which I really liked that one. I thought that it was like very interesting and much less, if I'm remembering correctly, it, I think it was much less like romantically oriented and it was more so about like an exciting plot line. Um, but I would definitely like to revisit that one. So if you're looking for one that's maybe a little bit less heavy on the romance, but a little bit more on like the adventure, Cirque de Freak might be your jam. Maybe someday we'll do an episode on it. Yeah, I hope so. So our next book club, we are going to be reading These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong, and that will be dropping on the first Monday in August. August 2nd. Thank you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane, talking a little bit about Twilight, both the book and the movie. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the plot, the structure of the book, any sort of problematic issues you saw with it, and whether you're Team Edward or Team Jacob. So send us a message through our email or on our Instagram. And don't forget to rate Selenials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, for those of you interested, we do have a Discord up and running. So if you are somebody who wants to join our Discord, send us a message either to our Gmail or DM us on Instagram. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.